Welcome back to episode 69 of Sporting Max. This episode is brought to you by The Missing Link, connecting you and your business with the biggest stars in the world through events and experiences. Please welcome Collingwood Magpies legend. He's in the Collingwood Hall of Fame and AFL legend, Tony Shaw. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max, where today we are joined by Collingwood Magpies legend and AFL legend. He's also in the Collingwood Magpies Hall of Fame, Tony Shaw. Welcome to the podcast, Tony. It's an absolute honour to have you on. How you going at the moment? Yeah, good. A uh, bit, bit hectic. Uh, had a uh, bit of moving uh, new house <laughs> a couple of days, so a little bit busy, but um, yeah, can't wait for footy season to start again. <laughs> Uh, me too. I mean, I believe you had a career um, in basketball. Can you elaborate um, on that a little? And was it down um, Geelong way? Uh, no, not down Geelong way. Coburg. No? Coburg. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, no, I, I was lucky enough to play for the Coburg Giants. Um, uh, nearly lived at the Coburg Basketball Stadium when I was a young mm-hmm. kid. I played football too and cricket, of course, and mm-hmm. that's what we did in those days. Um but yeah, I, I was uh, played uh, state under 14, 16, and 18. And at 17 years of age, uh, probably because I was vertically challenged, the, uh, the um, uh, decision to go with football uh, was pretty easy, really. But mm. look, I did love my basketball, and I've got no doubt it helped my footy in a, a number of ways. Um, but yeah, had a, had a ball and met a lot of friends and a lot of people, lifelong friends. So yeah, just another area that a lot of people probably didn't know about. Um, so what was your childhood like um, and growing up like few in Reservoir? Uh, yeah, great. No, I uh, one of six kids in the Housing Commission area in Reservoir. is pretty tough. Um, um, you know, mum and dad didn't have a lot, but they got us, they always um, supplied, you know, so mm-hmm. that's what it was. Um, they were hard days, but look, we, we went to pretty good schools. Uh, they always pushed us in the sport, um, probably taught us a couple of life lessons, which are really important. Uh, mm-hmm. mainly about having good manners, hopefully, and uh, mm-hmm. showing respect till, till people don't deserve the right. So, yeah, and, and look, uh, like I said, uh, we were a sporty family. Um, it was, wasn't was much every Sunday in cricket season that the whole Keon Park cricket side would be in our lounge room on a Sunday <laughs> having a roast and a few drinks. So, yeah, it was great, great upbringing. And I was lucky enough, I, played, I was very... Um, you know, I was brought up with uh, very successful organisations, as in the Coburg Basketball Stadium, mm-hmm. um, uh, Keon Park uh, Stars Footy Club and Keon Park Cricket Club, which um, all had really good administration. So they taught us lessons about, you know, like, you know, you, we wanted to be competitive, but um, yeah. you, you knew you couldn't win all the time. Um, so what were your greatest skills um, as a junior in football? Um, well, I played, <laughs> you wouldn't believe it, I played 10 half forward. Wow. Under 16. So, uh, look, I could always get the ball. That was probably the main thing. Um, but I was fairly big for my, you know, for that age. And then I stopped mm-hmm. growing, of course, and then became a midfielder. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I, I love, I also did a little athletic. So I was a, a long distance runner and I love running. I, I never found running a, an issue, probably because um, mum and dad, my mum and dad never drove. Um, wow. I never had a car in my whole lifetime. So, um <laughs> Yeah, it's unusual, isn't it? But I think it was great because we had to either walk, run, ride a bike, or get a lot from one. So, or public transport. Um, mm-hmm. So that sort of gave, taught us other lessons too. So that's probably where the fitness part built up. Um, can you sort of guide me through your path um to the AFL? Yeah, well, I went down. Um, I played uh, Northern Footy League. Uh, um, oh, sorry, the uh, PDJFA Preston District Footy League, right through from. 
under eights, to, sorry, under tens to under sixteens. Won a few premierships, which was great, and had the opportunity to play at Preston Oval in those premierships. Um, then uh, I went down to Collingwood under nineteens, and I walked out because um, I, you know, they had an eight uh, eight quarter uh, practice match, and I never got wow. onto. I was, I was going to go on on the eighth quarter and I'd seen blokes who I'd beaten. I, I was pretty dirty. So one of my best mates was probably the best footballer I've seen, junior footballer. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, unfortunately, he did an ACL. We both walked oh. out. Yeah, so, um, yeah, he never played. You know, he played again, but he was never the same because in those mm-hmm. days, the ACLs were hard to get over. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I was lucky, you know, I went back to uh, Reservoir Lakeside in the Diamond Valley, which was a tough competition. It's now the Northern Footy League. Um I, I played against men, and I think if I had made under nineteens, I don't know whether I my my development accelerated in that year. And I was lucky mm-hmm. enough to play. I was lucky enough to play in a senior A grade um, uh, Diamond Valley uh, Premiership with Reservoir Lakeside, um, mm-hmm. and that was their last year. I think as Reservoir Lakeside, they amalgamated and became West Preston Lakeside. So, yeah, look, it, it was a great year for me. Um, you know, winning a premiership and. Uh, playing against men. And like I said, uh, yeah, you had to harden up pretty quick. And then I went back to Collingwood the next year. Uh, Ronnie Richards gave me an opportunity um, and Ray was captain or Ray was down there, of course. So that probably helped. But mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, I played uh, 12 reserves games in the next year, uh, about four or five senior games, uh, one final and I got dropped the next week. So, um, wow. uh, yeah, so that was in 1970, uh, yeah, 1978. So there you go. Like you said, um, sort of getting four or five regular season games in a final and then getting dropped the next week. How did you find um, settling in um, to the Collingwood side and earning your spot in the team? Yeah, well, that's a good point because I was pretty dirty about getting dropped because I thought my mm-hmm. career was coming to the end. Look, I, I didn't have a lot of ability, but I knew what my strengths were. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had to fight pretty hard for a couple of years, probably 1983. I ran the Big M Melbourne Marathon in three hours 20 with uh, oh. in the off-season off with... Um, a teammate of mine, Mark Hanabry. Mm-hmm. And um, look, in 1984, training and everything was just a walk in the park. So <laughs> I found a new level of physicality that I could go to. Um, and I won my first Copeland Trophy in 1984, I think by about mm-hmm. six votes. Yeah. And then I, I also played my first state game. Wow. So what was that like to, you know, get your first Copeland Trophy under the belt? Yeah, it was good. You know, like I said, I, 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 I thought I, you know, I'd played okay for the, you know, the three or four years. But you've got to remember also in that period, I played in two losing grand finals in 1981. Yeah. So it was pretty disappointing. And I didn't know where we were going after that. I thought we'd play grand finals all year, you know, every mm-hmm. year and win one. Um, but, yeah, I, I was growing steadily as a player. And then, of course, 85 was when Lee Matthews came in and, and I was made captain. Um, and that was a great honour. And and then that was it. I, I always believed that I could... You know, look, every time I went over the white line, only, and I don't want to sound big-headed, but my preparation, I always felt confident in my preparation. Mm-hmm. I, always felt, I always felt that if I went over the white line that I could beat whoever I'm playing on. Now, I was mm-hmm. proven wrong a number of times, but hopefully to play 313 games, you've probably proved them wrong the other way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned those two losing grand finals in 1980 and 1981. What were those seasons like for you, you know, um, we unfortunately couldn't get um, the, to secure the uh, premiership. But also, what was that grand final heartache like? Oh, look, you just don't want to go through it. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I was probably pretty lucky myself, Peter Dacos and Dennis Banks as young players mm-hmm. coming from Preston and Reservoir um, to play in those finals. We thought it was going to keep continuing. We had a number of older players who were probably coming to the end of their career. But, um, yeah, like I said, it's... Um, 
yeah, you just you can't put it into words of disappointment because that's all you play the game for. Um, yeah. You know, individual things happen, but that's what it's about. And, uh, you know, like I said, from 81, it took us another nine years to get there, mate. So, you know, it was a bloody hell of a long time. Um, so you mentioned 1984. I mean, that was a standout season um, from you from um, sort, I guess, the outside world's point of view from football, you know, winning your first Copeland Trophy, um, VFL's Team of the Year. Um, um, what work did you do? Obviously, you ran that Melbourne Marathon prior in the off-season. It was walk in the park. But um, what training do you think you actually did in the off-season that helped you prepare um, to come in and dominate this season? Um, I, I did a bit of uh, sprint training, and then I also did some speedball um Speedball stuff, yeah, punching a speedball, but for mm. long periods of time, you know, up to 45 oh. minutes nonstop. Oh. And, and my upper body was good. I, I always did a lot of sit-ups and push-ups. I wasn't a weights person because I had a big body anyway, but, um, mm. you know, a solid, I was solid. So I didn't mm-hmm. like weights. I found them a bit boring. Um, but long <laughs> I did a bit of sprint work, which also had stamina in it, and that was run by um, a bloke called Bobby Newton, who was our sprint coach for 10 years, and he's the brother of uh, Bert, who um, you know just passed away. Mm-hmm. So Bobby was fantastic for me, um, and, and look, a lot of other people, of course, but yeah, those sort of things. Uh, in the end, you, you know you know what your strengths are. Um, you know, my kicking and skill, I, I knew I could be okay over 30, 35, but I had to be mm-hmm. smart at giving the ball probably to other players who could use it better by foot. Uh, so when Lee Matthews came in and you were named captain, what did that mean to you, um, you know, to be named captain of the Collingwood Football Club? Oh, look, it was magnificent. Um, yeah, my brother was captain. I played under a number of captains. Um, you know, there was also David Cloak and Mark Williams here at the time. And, you know, Lee could have picked them. I think Mark, we had a bit of a, Mark had a fall and a bit of a falling out with Lee. Lee wanted him to play forward. And I think he wanted to be midfield. Mm-hmm. So he left the club after that. And uh, Cloakie went back to Richmond later, but a couple of years in. But look, they were fantastic to me. Um, gave mm-hmm. me a lot of support. And I always, I don't know, I'll be playing that state um, basketball. I, I always believed that um, leadership didn't worry me. You know, I, I thought I tried to do the right thing most of the time, but mm-hmm. you still got to get the nod. Yeah, it was just a great honour. Um, so in 1990, you captained the club um, to, the, to its first premiership in 33 years um, to get the collie wobbles off your back, beating Essendon. Um, in this historical season. Um, now, they had 15 premierships by that stage. Can you sort of take me through um, this historical season for you and the club um, and the grand final from your perspective? Oh, look, you, um, you know, 32 years, um, we hadn't won a premiership. You know, we'd been, uh, yeah, look, I think we've been a pretty good team. We, we made finals but never won them. So mm-hmm. we gave value for money in a lot of ways, but it's only about the ultimate Um you know, my brother Ray, I think, played in five losing ones. Rene King played in six. You know, there's some great people who played in a lot of losing grand finals and they deserve better. But, you know, to think nine years after that 1981 that we get an opportunity and um, get it done, um, yeah. unbelievable. Look, we recruited well. Um, you know, we had uh, Craig Kelly, Michael Christensen. Um, um, we had uh, Tony Francis, Scotty Russell came in, Dougie Barwick came from those side. Even like, like uh, Mickey Gopher came from North Melbourne and people thought, you know, how many it's going. But everybody played their part. And then you had, you know, you had Dacos, um, Mullane, you know, uh, McGowan, yeah. Monkey in the Ruck with James Manson. We, we were a really tough side, but we had ability too. People said that we weren't the greatest side to win it, but, you know, that doesn't count now, does it? No. <laughs> um, I mean, 35 touches on ground in this grand final. Um, you earn yourself the Norm Smith medal. Um, what did winning the Norm Smith medal um, and, you know, your first premiership mean to you? 
Oh, look, I, I went out, down on all fours after the siren went and everybody said you were crying. But no, nah, look, it was just a bloody relief that we weren't losers again as, a, as a, mm. an organisation. You know, a little bit of the short name then because we hadn't had a lot of success. And um, yeah. you know, Heath, of course, was going to later uh, play in a grand final for Collingwood. We didn't know that. And and Reshaw, of course, played for Sydney Swans. So, so you know, um, yeah, look, it was just after that period of time to see the joy on the faces of a lot of, Collingwood people, a lot of volunteer people, people who just did it for the love, um, to see the joy that, that ha- they had, it was just sensational, you know. Um, and that's what we play the game for. And, and to think that, you know, 19 other blokes I'll have this uh, association with now for the rest of my life, plus Lee as a coach, mm-hmm. um, goes with you to the grave, you know. I wish I'd played in a few others, but it didn't happen. And I think, yeah, that was it four years later I'd, I'd finished. Um, I want to get into your 50 disposals uh, in a game in 1991 against the Brisbane Bears. Um, at the time, it was actually the second best disposals um, in a game in history, trailing Greg Williams, uh, 53 disposals in a game. Do you remember this game? Yeah, I do. I, I remember that. But I also, I think, had 51 against Geelong, but people forget about it. So mm-hmm. I think I've done it twice. I did it twice. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look... <laughs> I, I, I joked that I was in the toilet at halftime and the ball dropped in my lap, you know. So, <laughs> so you know, look, it was just one of those days where everything goes right. You could be running in the wrong position and mm-hmm. the ball would come to you. But, look, I, the one thing I say to young kids is, is um, I had a bit of a big mouth on the footy field, but when you verbalise and loud, you will receive the ball off people. But if you don't and they don't know you're there or they don't know you're coming... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great trait to have. And I used to try and do a little bit of that by singing while I was running, you know, just, it, it, you know, to myself in a way. Yeah. I that I could do that. If you can verbalise while you're under strain and, and, you know, you're out of breath and whatever, um, mm-hmm. you're, a chance, you're a chance of getting another five to ten possessions where you wouldn't if you're a very quiet player. I mean, in the years to come, you had, um, you know, a few injuries. Um, what were these injuries and how did you sort of get past them to... Um, move on with your career. Well, I, I was very lucky. I never, I never missed a game for my first nine years. Never through mm. injury, I missed a couple of his suspension, but that's a different thing. But <laughs> I, um, I had uh, dislocated elbow. Um, mm-hmm. I had a couple of uh, little medial, medial ligaments, knee and ankle, but I did them out of off season. That's why I never missed you know, games in season. I had a back problem later in my career where. Sometimes when I bent over, if I had a weakness here, I couldn't straighten up and I had to go under medication to get it manipulated. So I'm still paying a bit of a price with that now, but that's, you know, that's what you do. You don't, you wouldn't take it back at any time. Um, I, I broke my nose a number of times. I've had two operations on my nose, um, but that's what happens when you leave with your head, you know? So, <laughs> so you know, um, yeah, like, I was very lucky. I was very lucky on the injury stakes. Um, you mentioned being suspended for a couple of games in your um, sort of first nine years in the league. Um, what did you get suspended for? Uh, you know, I, I didn't think I was guilty, but they shit off. <laughs> no, I think I gave uh, Roger Merritt an elbow to the head. Um, oh. I Julio with an open hand. They said it was <laughs> Yeah, look, just these things that happened. I think, yeah. I think it was four times in my career, so it wasn't too bad over seven nine years. Um, I've read that in 1993. Um, you were considering uh, retiring, then deciding to play on. How did you sort of make that decision and um, in your mind there's that sort of reluctance to retire and then play on? Oh, look, if I didn't think I could do it, I wouldn't have done it. Um, I wouldn't have gone on. But matter of fact, it was, it was pretty cruel in a way because good mate uh, Peter Dacos and myself, Dakes had had a few injuries with his ankles and I didn't know how far he could go. So, you know, at any time a fit Peter Dacos and a fit Tony Shaw 
Boy, you, you're picking uh, Dakes. There's no doubt about that. But he had uh, some injury issues that were, they thought were long-term. So they picked me over Dakes. And, you know, I appreciate that one year. But I uh, wasn't a B. My last game was over at WA. And we lost the final. And I broke down with an, a, a calf injury, which probably one of my little regrets. Um, I had a, a fitness test, got through that. and um, But it's not the same as going into a game and, you know, testing yourself at that at a real pressure level. And, yeah, I was disappointed with that, but that was it, 94. So um, I would have loved to have played off in another final, another grand final. So what was it like to play with someone like Peter Dacos? Oh, mate. Uh, look, yeah. he's, he's the greatest player I've seen at Collingwood. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a bloke, a bloke called Phil Carmen who was amazingly talented but just didn't, you know, didn't have the discipline that was needed, but mm-hmm. super talent. But, no, nah, if you – if you Dacos, Peter Dacos could win your game in five minutes – um, he was a very good midfielder before he did his knees. So a lot of people forget that early in his career. And then he became, of course, one of the greatest goal kickers. You know, he kicked 97 in that 1990 season. Now, he probably <laughs> should have won the Copeland Trophy or gone close to it, but thank God he didn't and I did. So, <laughs> but, you know, 97 goals from a small four, that's something like, you know, the Lee Matthews and, you know, those types of players had done. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was an out-and-out superstar. Um, in now I believe it was in round 18, 1994, um, you broke the club games record held by Gordon Coventry at 306 games. I mean, this is a great milestone. What was that game like for you um, to break Gordon Coventry's record? Yeah, don't talk to me about the record breaking. It was 306 and uh, then <laughs> it was, um, uh, yeah, 313 at the end. And, you know, we both, we lost both games, so I was pretty dirty on it. But, you know, that- <laughs> Uh, it was great. On a nuts, Coventry was seen as one of the greatest of all time, um, mm-hmm. and just goes down. And, and to hold that for what was it, twenty four years? I think I held it before Pendles. Mm-hmm. You would, you don't mind getting beaten by a bloke like Pendles, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, they don't last forever. Records, but I had a good run at it. Let me tell you that. Um, so you mentioned that last game of yours, that heartache. Um, I think it was losing a final to the West Coast Eagles at the Wacker. Um, yeah. What was that like in your final game where you just couldn't get the job done? Yeah, look, like I said, I, I in hindsight, should I have played? I don't know, but I got through the, the fitness uh, test through Lee and and I got injected in you know, even the night before. As a matter of fact, my fitness test was in the hallway of a hotel, so that's for up, up, up and down. And I didn't feel it, but then, you know, five or ten minutes into the game, I just ripped the hell out of it. And they tried to inject me. Uh, everywhere to get it going, I just couldn't do it, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, look, look, it was disappointing, but you know, I, I one thing I got out got a good, got a good photo, and I, I probably don't didn't want to see me a few tears in the eyes, but um, a great kid who I've had enormous respect for, Nathan Buckley. I coached mm-hmm. him, um, trained, you know, uh, played with him one year, and and uh, coming off the ground, he's got his arm around me, consoling me, and I think that's one of my best photos that I've got. And I don't mm-hmm. have any, I don't have any photos up, matter of fact, but I. I <laughs> I do have the old uh, uh, scrap you know, albums and see, and that's one of the greatest photos. But yeah, it was a, it was a regret. Um, at the, at, after retiring at the end of that season, and you know, two years out of the game, you returned to Collingwood, like you mentioned, as head coach in nineteen ninety six. How did that opportunity um, to return to the club you love come about? Oh, Lee, Lee had sort of said he had had enough um, after ten years. He always said ten years was a long time. I wish I. Been able to survive ten years now, and look, I, I could have gone to Carlton. I had the second, the reserve job at Carlton, and I knocked it back um, because I just loved the club. But in hindsight, I probably should have gone to Carlton. I, I would have been assistant coach to um, uh, David Parkin, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it was just mm-hmm. me saying yes. I'll have, I'll take it, and I had it. So mm-hmm. I didn't go that that road. Um, and, and it was quite interesting that I think Ken Judge um, uh, coached the reserves of Carlton. They won a wooden spoon. So, <laughs> so it would have been a hard year. But the Carlton seniors won the grand final. So that you know that would have been good to be involved and then maybe come back. But I stayed at Collingwood as a development coach under Lee. Um, and you know they just thought what I was doing. They were happy with that and. Uh, once Lee said he wasn't going to go on, um, yeah, I just went through the rigmarole of having a few you know, talks to him and they thought I was the man and didn't work out for me over four years. But look, I, no recriminations. Would I have done things differently? Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, Lee told me he didn't leave me a lot, as in, but I don't worry about that. I had to make them better and I had success. That was my, no, like I said, no um, recriminations with the uh, club at all. Um, I, I had four years and I didn't get it done. I thought we played some good footy in the first two. Um, I lost Nathan Buckley mm-hmm. and Scotty Burns for a fair bit the last two years, but you know one player doesn't make a you know make you a good team. But that's like, and you learn by your mistakes. And would I do it better the second time round? I, I won't get an opportunity, of course, but mm-hmm. I think I would have no doubt. So, what do you think? What differences do you think you would have um, made now, knowing um, you know if you had got the opportunity the second time round? Ah, uh, look, I. I I was a, I was a uh, defensive player in basketball and football, as in I tried to stop the best players and you know opposition and get the ball myself. But I was a very attacking coach. So we we were the highest scoring side or equal uh, highest in the second year. My first year we were the highest scoring, but we got scored against. And mm-hmm. I didn't identify that the defensive part of the game was changing, and mm-hmm. that's probably, that's probably where I would have put more time. And and a lot of senior players who I played with and then coached. I just didn't give them enough time because I, I had enormous faith in their ability to do things. But they need time just as much as anybody else. A first game or a bloke who's played 300 games, mm-hmm. they need the same amount of time. So they're the two things. Um, and like I said, I, I got no worries. You, you know, four years didn't work and we moved on and Mick Mouldhouse took over. Um, being named in the Collingwood Team of the Century um, on the bench, what does that mean to you? Oh, gee whiz. Um, I, look... To think over the history of Collingwood, to think that oh, I even got a game, all right, you might be a <laughs> record holder for a fair while. <laughs> Premiership captain, but to think that I'm in, you know, maybe the top 22 players, as in talent-wise, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I sort of keep, yeah, it's, it's a joke in a way. Our <laughs> history, we've had a lot more players with a lot more ability than me, but I did, mm-hmm. what, I did what they did and they saw it that way. So, um, you know... Uh, it's great and, and we just go on. But, yeah, then the Australian Footy Hall of Fame, I got involved, you know, picked in that, and that was just sensational for a bloke who had a lack of a lot of the attributes that you need probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when things are going around on the media, in the league, um, you're a guy to go, um, a go-to guy um, for quotes and things like that. How do you find when you may have to be critical um, of the club that you played and coached for? Oh, no, you learn that quick. You learn that quick. Matter of fact, I, I thought in my first couple of years in the media, maybe I was too critical of Collingwood not to show bias. But you've mm-hmm. just got to be balanced. If you believe something, um, you say it. And, and I've, you know, I've talked to Eddie Maguire about it. And sometimes you go, Tony, you're a famous comic player. Why are you doing And I say, mate, if you believe something, you, you, it's all about credibility, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you'll throw things out there which you know you hear as something. But uh, to me, most of the time, it's what I believe. So... If you're mm-hmm. honest up front, and look, I look at it, um, it doesn't diminish my love of Collingwood Footy Club either way. It doesn't diminish my love of the players at the club. But individuals, yeah. you know, individuals do the wrong thing. Um, you, you, and I'm asked to quote on it. I'll, I'll have my opinion. Um, 
So what's it like to know Eddie Maguire and um, then unfortunately him leave the club? Oh, yeah, look, I, I think it was time in the end, but I think we're now it's the whole thing's changing. So maybe some fresh blood in the whole lot, board, you know, coaching staff, all that you, you've got to keep regenerating things. So you know, Ed did a, did a top job. We were broke when he took over. Um, he turned that around. Yeah, you know, we won a premiership under him. We were very competitive for a long period of time. Um, <laughs> he, he's done a great job. But you know, maybe held on a couple of years too long, um, and and you know, probably could have done it a little bit better in the end. But look, oh, he'll go down. You know, he's a, um, uh, a Collingwood Life member, uh, <laughs> and he'll go down one of the greatest presidents the game's ever seen. Um, so how do you find being on radio and on air? Oh, great. Yeah, look, it's a, to think at my age, and look, I'm only 61. It's not like mm-hmm. I'm 120. <laughs> um, yeah, to have, think that I'm making uh, a living out of um, talking about the game um, and, and they still believe I can do it. That's the main mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah, I was with Foxtel for 16 years um, and then I changed a few things in my uh, my personal life, as in, you know, we're going in the real estate, so I couldn't do Foxtel and... And then, what is it, 21 years I've been at 3AW. Um, mm-hmm. I think I know the games pretty well. You know, it's a, a game which contests you about the look of it. Um, but that's what happens when we went defensive and all the coaches. We can change rules. You can do what you want. The main mm-hmm. thing is coach, coaches are always going to try to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they meet, if they have to win ugly, they'll do it. So that's what they're getting paid for. You mentioned going into sort of real estate um, after Foxtel. Um What's that like for you being in the real estate market? Oh, great. You know, it's uh, that. I've got a few other things, as I said, with the radio and a mm-hmm. couple of lot of uh, odds and ends that I do. But, um, yeah, look, it's, it's good. Um, I'm a part owner of uh, McGrath's in Greensboro, Eltham. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, look, we're going well. We've got a great staff, a, a group of people who are just so passionate about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they probably make up for a few of my lapses, let me tell you that. So. <laughs> Hey, look, it's it's what it is. Um, yeah, I like keeping busy. Um, you know, as I said, I've just moved home for hopefully the last time before I go into a home. Um, so, <laughs> so, mate, uh, yeah, it's all life just keeps in. I've got six grandkids now under 10. Um, wow. All my kids have uh, done really well and they've all got their own home. So that's a, that's a bonus. Mm-hmm. I've never had a massive issue with any of them. And now the six grandkids, so they take their spot and, we have this cycle. It just keeps going, rolling around. <laughs> um, your son, Braden Shaw, was drafted for Collingwood. Unfortunately, I uh, didn't get a game. But I, uh, it's to my understanding and belief that you witnessed um, him captain the Bundura Football Club uh, to a Division One Premiership. What was this like? Oh, gee. Um, probably the most emotional thing. Uh, you know, I, I didn't cry when we won the 1990 Premiership, but I remember crying at that game. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he had a, yeah, look, he had a kick in the backside when he never played a game, which is pretty hard. And you sort of think about how is he going to cope with that, knowing the Shaw name and that. Um, he did brilliantly. He's got a brilliant job. He's been involved in footy now. I think he was captain for about 11 years of his wow. third Played in two Premierships. Um, he then went to Hurstbridge. He was captain there. He's now a, a senior assistant, sorry. He's uh, helping the uh, senior coach coach there. They've won a premiership mm-hmm. three or four years ago. They're now in Division One. So everywhere he's been, he's had an impact. And I've never heard a bad word about uh, how he goes about it. And he's just shown leadership. And, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if it rubs off or whatever. But, um, yeah, I think hopefully we taught the lessons um, to him and my two daughters uh, that my parents taught to our six kids. 
Um, now, Nets use Heath and Reshaw. I mean, you must be proud that, you know, they've gone on to win premierships and playing at different clubs. Um, do you think there was ever an opportunity, you know, where you could have potentially played for another club? Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I, I probably got, I, I think it was about, oh, it was seven years in my career, I got offered to go to Hawthorne. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was uh, because a Collingwood uh, administrator went over to Hawthorne and tried to get me across. So, you know, I, at, at that time, time, I didn't really worry about it too much. Um, if I look, if it had come along, I, I got to say, you know, my brother Ray could have, uh, he retired very early at 27, but mm-hmm. he didn't want to play. I think North Melbourne came to him, said, Do you want to play with that? And he couldn't play against his teammate. Well, I'm a bit different. If it happened, I think I could have gone. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. I'm happy to be known as a one-team player, and the other two boys, you know, they did their time at their clubs and um, and and did really well. Like you know, Reese left to win a premiership, and then uh, Heath, of course, won one and goes and finishes off for another seven years. But look, they're mm-hmm. very good players. That's that's what they are. They're old man. They've got a lot of his ability, and um, mm-hmm. yeah. So there we go. Um, I hear it's your wife Debbie's birthday, and he recently become a uh, grandfather again. Can you tell me what family's been like for you um, in your career and after? Gee, you must have been listening in, mate, about my wife. <laughs> she doesn't like me mentioning her. Right I've, got, I've, I've got, uh, got my sources. <laughs> yeah, that's the way. Um, yeah, look, um, we've known each other since, well, she was under 12 captain of Little Athletics and I was under 12 boys captain of a Little wow. Athletics. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, um, we're coming up to 41 years, no, 40 years of marriage. So, uh, wow. But look, fantastic um, wife, mother, um, brilliant mother, uh, grand- grandmother, and look, we just we she came from a football family in a way, so she probably knew what it was about. But our family is so important. Yeah, look, if um, we all know, if anything happened, you, you just got to ring and you and you get support. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go pretty deep. Um, now the in-laws are involved, but we all get on pretty well. There's never been an issue, um, and and life's good. And yeah, we just had our. Uh, our six grandson. Oh, sorry, we've got five grandsons and one you know, granddaughter, the poor mm-hmm. girl. But but she holds her own. Uh, she holds her own, Lara. And um, yeah, Cooper just came into the world a couple of months ago. So we had a bit of a break there for about four years. So it's exciting again. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll see what happens in the future. Uh, so what's it like to be a grandfather? <laughs> no, nah, it's great. I, I, I love it. I love getting involved with them. Um, I sit behind the fence, you know, but. I'm pretty competitive. We play basketball and footy, and yeah, you know, the problem is when I play footy with them, they want me to kick the ball, and they think I'm a commentator, not a. <laughs> so every time I kick the ball, I've got to commentate that, uh, and uh, one of them wants to be Dusty Martin. Um, <laughs> so I got to, you know, and Dusty's on the half forward flank at the MCG. He kicks across him, but no, he's kicked the point. So I've got to for about an hour and a half, it kills you. But uh, <laughs> but now look, I love it, and um, yeah, well, uh, hopefully. Uh, will grow great, uh, age age gracefully and, and they can come along for the ride. They don't want to be any uh, former Collingwood players? Well, we'll just see. Um, look, they've all got ability, but they're all different. Um, they're all different. Mm-hmm. Um, they're pretty competitive. Yeah, they want to win. Uh, they know. They're like kids. Like when you're talking about nine, eight, and seven-year-olds, boys, um, they all play footy and they're playing basketball. Um, mm-hmm. They know when, you know, people say we don't keep score, but they know. Yeah. <laughs> Kids know when they're they're ahead and when they're winning, um, and that'd be just a disappointment to lose. But I, I like to, you know, we play basketball. Sometimes I might take a backward step a little bit. Other times I knock them off just to give them say, okay, how do you relate to this now? You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, this little bit here is from the Rumor Files back in nineteen ninety five. 
I believe you ran into a tree um, out on the run, as you're known for going for great distance runs. Um, was it Damien Monkers who dropped the bag of sawdust um, at your doorstep claiming uh, they've got the person who attacked you? Yeah, no, that was a bit rough, mate. I, I think that was my fourth marathon and um, I run, I didn't train for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was trying to run a sub three and that was stupid. But um, yeah, my sugar levels went down to a bad level. So uh, oh. yeah, I ran into the tree because I was blind at the time. Because what happens when your sugar levels go down like a diabetic, you go blind. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, hit it. But yeah, a couple of days later, I go out to get the paper. <laughs> there's a load of sawdust on my lawn with a <laughs> Got the bugger for you, sure. But there you go. Um, what would be your best advice to anyone uh, who wants to be a footballer or a coach and be successful like yourself? Ah, oh, gee whiz. Um, I think I think kicking is so important now. No, look, you don't have to kick long. Yeah. But you're efficient in whatever you do, how you're kicking. One, if you haven't got a competitive spirit uh, and, and it doesn't hurt you, you know, losing and and uh, the, you want the want to win, mm-hmm. um, that's you're gonna struggle. Um, mm-hmm. but I just think I think kicking and, and the training's it. You know, you can you can train to a level which other people won't. So you'll get, you'll find them out. So mm-hmm. that's what I did. I think my preparation was the main thing, um, you know, that I survived on. And I, I think uh, looking back now, I think I was in the top four, maybe four to six players. For a long time, I was number one over you know, distant stuff. Yeah. But right through my whole career, I was in the top six, I think, in, in those sort of tests. So, mm-hmm. you know, that just showed I still held it. And yeah. I love my running. I like I said after the marathon, but even before then, I loved running. And, and probably like I said, the background of not having, well, not having bikes and not, you know, we ran everywhere or walked everywhere. And mm-hmm. mum didn't have a car, dad didn't have a car. Um. So what was um back to what you mentioned before? What's running marathons um like for you? I loved it. I love. Look, I did one for charity where I raised about I think sixty five thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. I, I and and I did. I mentioned on three AW I was going to do it. And I said I need some sponsors and. I had a lot of uh, opposition teams say, we'll sponsor you. We just want to see you go through pain. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, 65, that was for Challenge Cancer Group, who that's my um, uh, charity, you know, my, my charity. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've known Dave Rogers, the bloke, the CEO of uh, Challenge for oh, gee, 30 odd years. Wow. And all the players and myself used to go into the Royal Children's to into the cancer ward to, um, you know, buy presents for the kids and you know, <laughs> just try and pick them up and, and I, I think a lot of um, AFL clubs do that brilliantly and don't get enough credit, matter of fact. Uh, thanks, Tony, for coming on the podcast today and putting aside, you know, 40 minutes or so of your time uh, to come on and have a chat. It's been an absolute honour. No, no worries, Max, because uh, having moved into the house yesterday, I've got plenty to do and I probably do. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. All right. Thanks, Tony. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Max. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sporting Max. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify or YouTube and be sure to follow our socials. This episode is brought to you by The Missing Link. This is The Voice of Melbourne and we'll see you back here real soon for another episode of Sporting Max.